I'm in, I guess we're recording this this time while I'm from my childhood home. And <laughs> we didn't do this intentionally. We like, did not. In my childhood room and another week you're in your childhood. I luckily got vaccinated. Yay. So I got the first vaccine. Yay. And I had come to Connecticut to do that. And I'm actually in my stepmom's office. So shout out to Amy. And it used to be like our old spare bedroom slash like pet room when I had a guinea pig as a kid slash like when I, where I would do my homework for high school. So it's it's seen a lot of different things. <laughs> and it's such a tiny room that I'm like, how, how is this like a spare bedroom? Mm. I mean, that's supposed to be like the best for podcasting. Uh, yeah. It's like not big space with doors and things, close off sound and... Yeah, I, I can verify that it is it is a small room. <laughs> Whereas I'm in a, it's not a big room, but there are three doorways that are not closed. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, but you have the cats, so. Yeah, I've actually, they've, uh, they haven't been too bad, but I'm like ready to, I mean, hopefully it doesn't happen when I'm actually talking, but like to mute myself if like. Georgia does one of her running around the house with a toy in her mouth, like crying, which uh, happens a few times a day. That sounds like that's new. Yeah, she started doing it a month or two ago. So like not immediately. We got her in October. Yeah, apparently it either means she's like hunting and showing us like her prize or it's like some kind of like weird maternally thing. I don't I don't know like it's like this is my child I'm gonna run around <laughs> or it's like I hunted this for you appreciate me but it only happened a few times when we had meetings I guess it's better than like cats that go outside that bring back like a dead mouse or bird and they're just like here you go I'm always like like how powerful would you be if we unleashed you to the wild how many things would you bring back Georgia? I feel like Georgia would be the one to bring back something, and Tim would be like, I don't care. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. Like, Tim is, uh, I think he's 18 pounds, so I think he would, like, strike fear in, like, other cats and dogs, but then would just, like, chill in the driveway or something, like, not actually, like, try to hunt. Yeah, whereas I think Georgia would, like, sneak off. <laughs> yeah, they're funny. I didn't really do any activity today, so I decided to do, like, a quick workout before we started. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to show you, but I'm wearing very fuzzy sweatpants. And I was wearing this, like, kind of heavy sweater. And I was like, this is a normal exercise outfit. So I did an exercise, and then I immediately got super hot. The whole thing was, like, 17 minutes, and now I'm wearing, like a very summery shirt but I still have the super fuzzy sweatpants on it's interesting that honestly sounds like the weather this time in New England because <laughs> you don't know what it's gonna be so you're like do I bring like for me for visiting my like dad's it's like do I bring a sweatshirt do I bring dresses like what what is the weather what are we doing it is it's so confusing I think it was almost 60 Last week or the week before, and then this weekend it's supposed to be in the 40s, I'm pretty sure. This is the season where I have no idea what to wear. <laughs> this is the season where you're like, I still know where my winter coat is in case I need it, and I still have my boots out, but I also know where my shorts are in case it's hot. So My winter coat that I basically only wear if it's snowing heavily and I need a shovel has been like on our coat rack by my front door for the past two three months and every time I look it's right there I'm like I'm probably not gonna need this in the immediate future but it's still not warm yet so no. I'll leave it there yeah especially because like no one's commuting so it's also like I'm just in my house or in my apartment I guess I'll just stick with the leggings and like the sweaters yep which is what I'm wearing so. yeah I mean like when lockdown was bad I don't think I wore a bra for like three or four months <laughs> and I am proud of that it's fine <laughs> I don't mean, nobody really cares I besides sports bras which like I have to do so I guess is it your turn to go first this week 
Yeah. Oh my god, it is. (laughs) I was thinking about this earlier and I was like, nope, Sandra's definitely going first this week. I was listening to the episode earlier to edit it earlier today and I heard you going first. And I was still thinking like, Sandra's going first today while listening to you going first hours earlier. I mean, I can. I don't mind. Uh, But the pattern. I mean, you're you're ready. (laughs) Yeah, let's... Because <laughs> I'm also really curious, because you sent me a very interesting text message. Okay, oh, I'm so proud of myself. I printed this, and I remembered to add the numbers. Yay! <laughs> Every time I print it out, I somehow put one paper in the wrong order, and then I have to pause for 20, 30 seconds, no, probably like a minute or two to find the right order, and all that gets cut out. And now, if this happens, it's, like, something's wrong with me because there are numbers on this. <laughs> um, okay. Small victory. Yeah, this is uh, my... Have I done an international one yet? No, I don't think no. so. No. Yeah. Wait. Well, in one, Casey Chadwick, Cassie Chadwick, she was from Canada, but everything she did was mainly in the U.S. Yeah. So this all takes place abroad. Ooh, exciting. Should we, like, introduce? <laughs> well, good thing you said that. We are Oi with the Terror already. I am one of your hosts, Danielle. And I'm your other host, Sandra. We hope you've enjoyed our our conversation before we actually get to the stories. <laughs> We're so excited to tell the stories. I'm sweating. (laughs) (laughs) These pants are so fuzzy. Do you want to pause so you can change? No. Because the issue is, if I now put on lighter pants, I'll probably get cold. Yeah, I'm okay. Because, like, my arms are bare, so I have less body. (laughs) Okay. We're not drinking. No, the sad part is we're not. (laughs) Okay. I've heard about this case once or twice a while ago, but I recently started watching a show on HBO called The Investigation. This is a Danish show created by Tobias Lindholm in 2020. He carefully worked with the victim's family and the lead investigator on the case to carefully tell the story. And I actually heard a review for the show recently saying that it's one of the most realistic, like, homicide investigation shows because it moves in a much slower way compared to, like, sort of true crime homicide shows where it's very dramatic and maybe doesn't really show the sciencey stuff involved with accumulating the data and everything. So this show is kind of considered like the most realistic in terms of the investigation process. So I definitely picked up on that. It's like can be pretty slow at some points, but at the same time, I was like impressed by the amount of detail they had. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not in English, so you have to read the subtitles and everything, but that's fine. Um, and it's actually mainly centered around the investigator. It doesn't like just show the killer like there aren't like dramatic reenactments like it literally it just shows them investigating the crime scene and then back at like the police station or wherever um so this is about the killing of kim wall it happened in 2017 so it's i think might be the most recent story i've talked about so far I think so, yeah. <laughs> 1800s, 1900s, 1970s. Uh, it begins in 2017. Kim Wall was a Swedish journalist with an unwavering dedication to her craft. She decided to leave a party with friends early to get the scoop on a homemade submarine owned by a man named Peter Madsen. He actually built it himself. He was kind of known in that area as a sort of like eccentric engineer rocket submarine guy, which I'll go into more detail about that later. Unfortunately, this party that she left early would be the last time that her friends and fiance would see her alive. Fiance might be boyfriend. I feel like I read somewhere it said fiance. 
my last resort uh was wikipedia when i thought i needed a few more details because wikipedia itself isn't really an awesome source but then they have so many sources like within it that it is useful so i feel like i saw boyfriend once but then in most of the other sources it said fiance or vice versa so yeah that's happened to me too where it's like right. some say boyfriend some say fiance and i'm like significant other yeah that's true i guess we'll just go with that so either boyfriend or fiance kim was a 30-year-old award-winning reporter who traveled all over the world for stories. Locations include Uganda, Cuba, the Marshall Island, Kenya, and the United States. She wrote for well-known publications including the New York Times, Time Magazine, and The Guardian. At the time that this happened, she was staying in Copenhagen. Oh, now it says boyfriend. They were planning a future together in Beijing in the immediate future. She became interested in Peter Madsen's do-it-yourself rocket and submarine projects. Her usual stories ranged from reporting on post-war Sri Lanka to Cuba's underground tech scene. She was known in the industry for being fearless. So what exactly happened when she boarded the submarine? She grew up in Trelleborg, Sweden. So this is probably an episode where I have to apologize in advance for pronunciations. Um, I'm not going to say a lot of towns and cities because it I wouldn't be able to. Um, so there aren't too many of those throughout this. Uh, let me know if you hear Georgia crying because she's now doing her ritual. <laughs> Will do. I don't hear anything. So oh wait. She started in the kitchen and now she like is in the. Okay, Dave is trying to, to stop the occupy. <laughs> it's only if she has these two specific toys, and then if Dave like hides them, she's fine. She doesn't do this. Maybe it is the maternal thing. Yeah. Oh, she may have just farted. Dave picked her up. Um. Okay. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Hashtag Dave the intern to the rescue. Dave the cat wrangler. <laughs> Wall grew up in Trelleborg, Sweden. She graduated from the London School of Economics and earned two master's degrees from Columbia University. In 2011, she told a Swedish newspaper, quote, I want to know how the world works, and I hope that I maybe one day can learn enough to make a difference, end quote. She had no idea that she was basically walking into a death trap set up with one intention in mind, murder so overall in denmark where this occurred murders were a pretty rare occurrence in 2017 for that whole year 55 people were killed danish society is considered among the world's safest tranquil and even boring compared to more dangerous societies it was discovered that this attack was not premeditated specifically towards wall madsen basically set up a murder scene he was planning to kill someone and not wall in particular mm-hmm she just happened to be the unfortunate victim in this case. In the days leading up to the murder, he searched images for mutilated women and also watched videos on how to kill people. He invited three other women before reaching out to Wall to go on a submarine ride, but the three women declined. The fourth person he invited was Kim, who accepted. Did it say if they were three random women? Or were they women that he knew? It did say that in one of the articles, the three women who he invited, he got their number because he was doing something on his submarine. And they were, I guess, intrigued by the submarine hanging out in the water and basically just came over, not at the same time, different occurrences. It seemed like they were just trying to make small talk with him or asking questions about the submarine. It sounds like they weren't friends of his. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of random people who he had a conversation with, and then I guess he got their numbers after that. Yeah, he reached out to three of those women first, and then Wall was the fourth one. Interesting. Yep. Madsen came equipped for what was supposed to be a two-hour-long trip. He brought tools used to subdue and kill Wall. He also had researched murder and dismemberment earlier. 
So the last time Kim was seen alive was on August 10th, 2017. In the early hours of August 11th, Wall's boyfriend reported her missing. That same day, Madsen had to be rescued from his submarine that was sinking. The next day, the submarine sank, and this was later found to be a deliberate action. He deliberately sank the submarine. So initially, when the police went to Madsen and said, you were the last person to see her alive, what happened on this disembarkment? Initially, he told the police the last time he saw her was when she was safely ashore, but this was clearly false when I think it said a cyclist found her torso in the waters near Copenhagen in the following weeks. At this point, Madsen claimed that Kim had an accident on the submarine. He felt like he had to cut her up into pieces and throw that into the water for some reason. That makes no sense. Yep. So as I was in the investigation show, they were kind of like showing the slow accumulation of that's weird. That's weird. Like normal people wouldn't do this. But at the same time, just him saying this wasn't enough evidence for them to act on something like they actually needed like proof of what happened so the investigators were like basically just working tediously to try to gather something like substantial later on text messages were found from madsen that he deleted telling a woman she should be tied up and tortured on a submarine He also told a friend that he had the perfect murder plan. The reason that Wall accepted the submarine trip was because for months she had been trying to secure an interview for him. He was a self-taught engineer who designed and built submarines. He referred to himself as Rocket Madsen. He texted Wall on August 10th, the day she disappeared and the day they went on this trip, and asked if she wanted to join him that evening for a ride, and then she accepted the invitation. When she did not return home, the police started searching for the craft. So it was on August 21st when a cyclist found her torso washed up on a beach, and they found 15 stab wounds on the torso. That poor cyclist. So in order to try to find evidence, they used divers. They eventually started finding severed body parts, which proved to be crucial evidence to show the inconsistency in Madsen's explanations. Because he also had several other explanations he gave, which also didn't make sense. The divers found plastic bags with body parts and clothing belonging to Kim, which was southwest of Copenhagen. They used dental records to identify her head, which showed no signs of damage to the cranium. This detail was a major crack in Madsen's initial story, who had told the police she died accidentally after a heavy hatch on the submarine's tower collapsed on her head. In another version he gave, he said that Wall died when toxic exhaust fumes filled the submarine. The divers who were looking for evidence were also assisted by Swedish dogs trained to work in water. Later, her legs were found attached to pieces of metal, which were thought to aid in adding weight to make everything harder to retrieve so it would just sink to the bottom. A plastic bag with an orange sweater, stockings, and a knife were also found by the team. So body parts were found in various areas from August 21st to November 29th. There was a sort of handy map with dates and times of everything that happened. Mm Mm-hmm starts off north of Copenhagen on August 10th at about 7 p.m. Kim Wall meets up with Madsen and then they board the submarine on August 10th at 12 a.m. is the next time that the submarine is sighted and that's southeast it looks like of Copenhagen then further south on August 11th at 10:30 a.m. the submarine is sighted from a lighthouse August 11th at 11 a.m. is when the submarine is uh, sinking, I guess. And then August 11th, 2.30 a.m. is when the police is notified that Kim is missing. August 21st at 3.40 p.m. is when her body is found. So as I mentioned, the investigation show, the lead investigator was Jens Moller, a good-natured Danish homicide chief, not chef. Which I almost said. He has 40 years of experience. 
He slowly and carefully compiled the evidence in order for the case to be successfully prosecuted. Wall's DNA was found on Madsen's hands, nostrils, and neck. Her blood was also recovered from inside the submarine. Traces of semen were found on his underpants, secured from Madsen after his arrest. This case is unsurprisingly known for its unusual brutality. So at the time of the crime, Madsen was 46 years old. He founded a company to build spacecrafts. Apparently, after some kind of failed rocket launch on August 8th, he, I don't know, he was frustrated or mad or angry. And then this event apparently made him even more desperate to commit a murder. It was at this point he started inviting the three other women on the submarine he was charged with manslaughter in Danish law. This is the equivalent to a murder charge in the U.S. Madsen was found guilty on all three charges of premeditated murder, indecent handling of a corpse, sexual relations other than intercourse of a particularly dangerous nature. The trial lasted 11 days and this spanned over seven weeks. Madsen refused to go into detail in the court but called Wall's death, quote, a very, very traumatic event, which I do not want to describe, end quote. So now he's having regrets, apparently. Well, my, like, only question about this is, did he want to get caught? Like, he didn't even seem like to try to cover it up that much. Right. He kind of seems like an idiot. It seems like trying to sink the submarine... If you're trying to sink a submarine, wouldn't you try to find a way to escape without someone having to rescue you from the sinking submarine. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was watching the investigation show showing this like very long process of them having to get the submarine out of the water when it was already underwater and it was so heavy. I think I saw 20 tons that they had to use this like heavy machinery. I think some kind of a crane from this big ship to get it out. So I, I think that was his intention to either think no one would be able to, to retrieve it or think he was able to clear off enough evidence that if they were to retrieve it, he would be okay. And if he was the last person to see her alive, like that automatically makes you a suspect. Right. And they had texts. He invited her out. She told her friends and her boyfriend where she was going. He was a kind of well-known figure in this area. Everyone, it sounds like they didn't have a lot of people who had submarines. They're like, oh, it's the submarine guy. So, I mean, uh, yeah, there are a lot of things that would have prevented him from getting away with this. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. He probably wasn't. So then he was sent to prison. In August 2018, Matson was admitted to a hospital after being attacked in prison by a fellow inmate who's 18 years old. It didn't say what the reason was, but it was bad enough, I guess, he had to go to a hospital. And then apparently he never actually admitted to the murder until September of 2020. So almost three full years after is when he admitted to it. And then in October of 2020, he actually attempted an escape and he, there are pictures of this. He actually got outside of the prison and there's a picture of like a SWAT sniper type guy with like a big German shepherd, like staring at him. He's like next to some shrubs or bushes or something. And apparently he was able to kind of achieve the escape by threatening a prison employee, but he was quickly caught and then sent to... Storstrom Prison, which is a high security prison, and apparently in Denmark, prisoners who are sentenced to life are eligible for parole after 12 years. So that's frightening. Yeah, because that would be like, what, 20, 2032? Yeah, I don't know if that's going off of when he was sentenced. So that was maybe like 20. 2018, I guess. So 2030. That's scary. Police also thought that Madsen might be responsible for other murders in Scandinavia. In 1986, a 22-year-old named Kazuko Toyanaga was killed in Copenhagen, and they thought he maybe was responsible, but then they didn't have any like concrete connections to verify this. So after this, the Kim Wall Memorial Fund was established by her family and friends with the goal to fund female re reporters to cover stories on subcultural value. In October 2017, she was posthumously nominated for Free Europa's Outstanding Achievement Award, Journalist of the Year. 
There was a memorial run on August 10th, 2018, which was the first anniversary of her murder, where people around the world walked or ran in her memory. On, on November 9th, 2018, her parents published a book in her memory called The Book of Kim Wall When Words End. And there is also a heart-shaped memorial dedicated to Kim Wall that's located near her family's home, created by anonymous well-wishers. Kim's father said, quote, Kim wanted to give a voice to people who didn't have one. She was always looking for the story behind the story, end quote. So I wanted to end on, like, her parents having the last word, I guess. Yeah. I thought that was a good quote. Yeah, that is a good quote. Because it kind of speaks to her character and what she was trying to achieve as a reporter. Yeah. Well, you were you were right. This one was not, like, a warm and fuzzy <laughs> It's crazy. Like, it was literally, I mean, it was considered premeditated because he was planning a murder and he had the tools. He was watching videos. But at the same time, it was kind of random because he didn't really know her. He just felt like he had to kill someone, basically. Yeah. Apparently a woman because he only contacted women. So also just like the gruesomeness of the murder. Yeah. Like she was stabbed and then like finding body parts in the water is just like terrifying yeah i guess one of the reasons why when he was still trying to say it was an accidental murder but he felt the need that he had to cut her up into pieces the reason he gave for that was because there were so many narrow parts in the submarine that he wouldn't have been able to dispose of her body as a whole which like that still doesn't make sense no people don't dispose of bodies when they have an accidental death for no reason no you you call like the cops or 911 or 999 if you're in like the uk or europe like you don't just like take apart a person's body like that's not okay yeah it's pretty sad but there's a foundation and it sounds like her parents are keeping her memory alive. Yeah. I wonder what would have happened if she brought like a friend with her. Mm. Like if that whole like you don't go alone. Thing. I was curious. I wonder how the exact communication was like couldn't find anything where there were exam like what he was saying to her. It could have just been, oh, come on my ship tonight. And she was like, okay. Or maybe he was saying creepy things. Maybe he was like, you can only come alone. I didn't say that in any of the articles I read. I mean, like if I got a text that was like, you must come alone, I honestly would pull like, right. I think it's on my favorite murder, like the fuck politeness thing. Yeah. I would be like, nope, I'm definitely bringing somebody with me because... I mean, just from what I learned about him, I'm like imagining he doesn't seem like a normal person no. and he's super creepy, but I don't know. Maybe he's really good at pretending like to talk like a normal person. He could have just literally been like, oh, you've been wanting to write an article about me. Let's go tonight. Like just could have said it super casually. Yeah. Because that was the only reason it seems like that she did this was she was interested in writing an article about him. Like, yeah, that was her motivation, basically. That just basically sucks that like her motivation was like what helped lead to her her death right because i'm guessing the other people who said no i was actually wondering that like did they say no because he seemed creepy did they say no just because they weren't interested or was it like a gut feeling yeah that's what i was curious about like why did the three women before her just say no yeah. to ask and then my other thought is, like, if one of the three women said yes, like, would he have still killed her? That's what it sounds like. It sounds like he basically had this all prepared. He had the weapons he was going to use and everything. He was just basically waiting for someone to say yes to it. It's just so, like, sickening. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you don't hear a lot of cases like this where something like this happens and then just the fact that it was on a submarine too I mean what and then they were able to actually prove that he did it despite the super weird excuses and everything like they had to actually wait for the concrete evidence to come in and but it sounds like they knew he did it kind of right. Oh, yeah. In the show, at least, it's like the investigator is like almost from the beginning. He's like, why is this guy saying this? This doesn't make any sense. Why would he try to hide her if she just had an accident? Like, mm -hmm. but then they you can't just go. I forget what the term is. Like, you can't just go off of a gut feeling or. Yeah, you have to have 
it, it's uh, I know the word you're looking for. It's some form of like evidence. It's like substantial evidence or something where mm -hmm. it's like you need to have something more than that. You need to have mm -hmm. concrete proof to bring to like a juror or into a trial to show yep. that like, yes, this person did this. Well, definitely, definitely interesting. Definitely one to uh, kind of think about too, since it was also really recent. Right. I find the Jack the Ripper one's interesting and any kind of older historical type. But then also you have to, I feel like there's a certain time, I guess, when it's okay to talk about a newer story, like when the person has been incarcerated or when they actually have all the complete evidence, because there are a lot of newer murders or crimes where it's either like not proven or unsolved or murky and like those types of cases it's kind of harder to fully talk about yeah when you have something that's kind of like more when you have something like this it's more like straightforward it, it's kind of like yeah i guess satisfying I mean, to at least have a closed end yeah if he doesn't get paroled or whatever that means I mean, it is satisfying, and it's also nice to hear that, like, the parents, like, there's a memorial for her, so she'll always be remembered, and that the guy was caught and wasn't put away, at least for now, because that's not always the case. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how, if they how it was in real life, but in the show, they basically made it seem like they had a certain amount of time to prove that it was him, and if they didn't find the concrete evidence in a certain amount of time, he would have just basically gotten off on, like, not having enough evidence. Yeah. So they're making it seem like they had a really tight deadline, and basically just the body parts. <laughs> I didn't notice he was there. I heard him talk upstairs, though. That was funny. That was crazy. Thank God. Sandra's dad just poked his head in the room. Oh, the joy of working, working from from home. <laughs> nah, it's all good. Um, but yeah, basically, the only main evidence they found was like her body parts getting retrieved. The word I was looking for was circumstantial. Oh yeah, I remembered it finally. Yay. Yeah, or they need. I think is it they need something more than circumstantial. I think I'm. Mean, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've watched like Law and Order or like a cop show. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> that's why I use the word concrete like ten yeah. times. But anything else, or no? That's pretty much it. actually got this from an episode of Monsters and Mysteries in America on the Travel Channel because I was watching that last weekend and I shouldn't have because <laughs> it was really creepy so yay it's a good place to get ideas from though yeah I mean it was definitely a really good episode so my first question for you Danielle is do you know what a humanoid is or have you heard of that word before it's a half human, half android. Yep. Wait, what? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I just well, made that up. Yay! <laughs> you got like a half human, right? But in the mythological sense, it's uh, part human um, and then kind of part something else. So examples of humanoids are like dwarves, elves, gnomes, goblins, trolls, or even Bigfoot is considered a humanoid. So I picked for this week the Beast of Bray Road, aka the Michigan Dog Man. Don't know if you've heard about it or not. Some people have. No. Okay. Essentially, the Beast of Bray Road is a hairy humanoid with canine features. And actually, it's been sighted in Wisconsin, dating back to 1936 on a rural road outside of Elkhome, Wisconsin. More recent sightings have been in the 1980s and 1990s. And actually, I do have um, essentially like a 
personal story that was featured in the newspaper that happened actually in 2020, or at least it was published in 2020. The uh, Beast of Bray Road is also known as Manwolf, Beowulf, and Indigenous Dogman. It is said to be around six to seven feet tall with gray and brown fur. Its face resembles that of a wolf with shiny yellow eyes and pointed ears. Um, its body is furry, though it looks very muscular, and it is said to run and walk on all fours of its legs, or just it's also said that it can walk on its hind legs, and has been also spied sitting on its haunches and kneeling like a man. Yeah. Uh, some people believe that it's actually a werewolf. Others think that it's a type of Bigfoot, and some aren't really sure. They think it's a species of wolf that just hasn't been identified yet because it's seen in such kind of remote areas. Um, though it's never attacked anyone, some witnesses claim that it, it has acted aggressively, running at them and jumping on their vehicles and just trying to kind of defend its territory. And some researchers consider the Beast of Bray Road to be identical to that of the Wisconsin Bigfoot that the locals actually call Bluff Monster or the Eddy. This werewolf-like creature has actually been portrayed pretty regularly in the media the first sightings even as a low-budget film that came out in 2005 which did not get great reviews but it's interesting that it is based off of the beast of Bray road with nicholas cage in it i don't think so <laughs> i would hope not since it's a low budget. like i i didn't see it but i looked into it and i think i got like one and a half stars maybe two which is kind of comical um, and the number of sightings in the late 80s and early 90s prompted a local newspaper, the Walworth Country Week, to assign reporter Linda Godfrey to cover the story. She initially was really skeptical, but she actually became convinced because of the people that she talked to and how a ton of people had kind of different sightings and there were just a ton of witnesses. And she actually later wrote a book called The Beast of Bray Road, uh, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf. So that's just kind of a little bit of um, a backstory. And the article I found that has an eyewitness, again, came out in July 10th, 2020, so pretty recent. If you want to read the article, it's called Lake Geneva Resident Claims He Saw a Werewolf-Like Creature Twice in One Month. Essentially, I'll just read kind of most of the article. So one of the locals, um, I guess, saw it near Lake Geneva, and the resident's name is Ron Rice. So every once in a while, um, he travels to the town of Lyons for work, where he drops off fertilizer at a farm on Highway 36, just west of Church Road. It's a Burlington address, and there's a circle gravel driveway where Rice loads up the truck with fertilizer. And these are considered kind of deep woods, according to Rice. They're about 150 feet away from the driveway. So this happened back in May of 2020. Uh, Rice was on kind of a routine drop-off in broad daylight, sitting in his truck. He looked in the distance, about 150 feet, he thinks, and a figure caught his eye. This thing was huge. It was over seven feet tall. He said it was brown and hairy with coarse hair. It mm. walked out and picked something up, but then turned back towards me and went back into the woods. Two weeks later, he said he saw the beast again. And again, it walked out of the woods and quickly returned. So... That's just kind of interesting to me to kind of hear of a kind of a story from so recent, uh, because again, a lot of stuff that I found witnesses have been reporting seeing this creature from back in the 80s or in the 90s. So to kind of hear a story that's so recent had me thinking like, okay, I'm not really sure what they saw, but mm -hmm. it does match the description. And the article also has like, kind of a drawing type of what he thinks he saw. And it does look how we would actually describe a werewolf, which mm. is kind of crazy because you think that those don't exist or that they're made for kids or that they're not real. But to think that there is something out there that does resemble a werewolf is kind of creepy. And scary. What year was that? What year did he see it? He saw it in May of 2020. Oh. So mm. pretty recent. Yeah. <laughs> so I just... <laughs> Thought it was interesting. And then obviously on the show, they talked to other witnesses who said that they would be out at night. Like, I think this one guy was saying how his job was to drive down um, the road that it's seen on a lot. 
and to pick up the dead deer on the side of the road that hit, get hit by cars or that get, you know, mm-hmm. by other injured or hurt by their animals. And he was taking the deer and putting it in the back of his truck. He went back into the front of his truck and was writing down paperwork or just filling out the forms that he needed to for work. And his mm-hmm. car kind of shook, but he thought it was just the wind. So he just kind of ignored it. And then his car shook again and he looked up in the rearview mirror and he just saw like this animalistic wolf-like creature in the back of his truck just like eating the deer. And mm. he got so freaked out that he just kind of put his foot on the gas and just went. And the creature, I guess, wasn't expecting it or like was worried that they were going to obviously lose the meal. So not only did the deer get dragged out of the truck, but like part of the back of the truck actually like fell off and got dislodged and when he went back he tried to see if he could find maybe the deer or like a deer carcass or the part of his truck that fell off and he couldn't find it like it was just missing and he was like what the heck is happening like I don't understand what was that and so then from then on whenever he like went out he always like kept a closer eye out to make sure that he didn't run into this thing again there's a werewolf running around with half of a truck (laughs) basically but it's weird to go back because you even with like an animal takes a part of your truck or like some part of your truck like falls off you were expected to like find it when you go back and he didn't see it yeah he was like what the heck is going on where is this part of my truck i need it for work like no one at work is gonna believe me (laughs) and i think that's the other thing too is why so many people started reporting it and like the 80s and the 90s because they were just terrified they're like no one's gonna believe me like who's gonna think that i ran into like this werewolf type creature when i think of like the classic werewolf tales i'm not remembering there's a famous one in france Mm -hmm. a beast of i don't remember the name so i'm gonna say avignon because i know that's a place in france but i know that's not right i just think of beauty and the beast actually that might be kind of (laughs) actually I think that actually is supposed to take place in France. So, yeah. I mean, the way the beast looks could be based on the French werewolf thing. Yeah, and it's also known, um, like I said earlier, it's also known as the Michigan Dogman because it has also been seen in Michigan as well. So it's got like a very wide territory. So they're like, we don't know if there's one. We don't know if there's two. That's why some people think it's like some form of animal that just hasn't been studied yet or Mm. really discovered yet because they're just found in these areas of woods that are so remote and not inhabited so it's like we don't really know what's out there because man hasn't like gone in and like built things or like torn down trees or anything Mm. there's so much left to discover Mm -hmm. yeah you don't really think of people having a werewolf sightings 2020 like maybe 1600s 1800s (laughs) what is this large creature that's eating my sheep but also just like the size too the fact that it's like six feet tall like that's terrifying anything six feet tall and hairy and it's like what am i looking at just like a bear is the only thing i could think of that might be real Mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah i know that's a pretty scary I don't know anything about Michigan, so I just lakes. I need to reach out to um. I should ask Amy because her her parents used to live in Wisconsin. Be like, do you know of this? What is the name? What is it called again? The man. It's called the Beast of Bray Road, okay. which and obviously the person, the poor man that was driving that lost part of his truck, was probably driving on Bray Road because that's usually where it's seen. And you said it's very like woodsy around there, and. Yeah, it's a lot like our hometown where you drive through and it's woodsy and it's dark and there are no streetlights. So you're like, I don't really know what's in front of me. Oh, really? I wonder if it's like the kind of place where the closest neighbor is a mile away or something like that. If it's like super isolated. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's like different today than it was like back in the 80s or 90s. I'm not sure. I don't think it's that built up. Because even like the episode that I was watching on Monsters and Mysteries in America on the Travel Channel, like it looked like a pretty rural town. Oh, so it's an actual town. Okay. Yeah, it's near anyway. And that's where all those people are like, yeah, I've seen it. Or like, I've heard about it. Hmm. Or I've tried to find it. It's the local folklore of that area, Hmm. at least. I've tried to look for it. (laughs) 
Well, you got like the teenagers that are like, I want to see it. I want to go find it. What did you do this weekend? I tried to look for the the local. The Beast of Bray Road. The Michigan Dog Man. Oh, yeah. That was the other name I was trying to remember. Okay. Michigan Dog Man. And it's like, it's a pretty scary, like, the depictions that people have come up with and, like, the drawings that people have come up with. Like, it's a pretty scary looking thing. I wonder if, like, one of the sightings, like, the guy who named it Dog Man was just, like, some guy who lived in the woods in a shack and, like, really needed to shave and then, like, stumbled upon it. And he was like, oh, Dog Man. But then all the other ones with the six feet tall hairy things are, like, actual werewolves. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. That's, I mean, honestly, like, since it's honest, it's been cited for, it's been around. That's the other thing, too, is, like, it's been cited, I yeah, since the 1980s. So that's like 40 years ago. So obviously, like either this thing like spawns, or like people just like keep mixing it up with like a rabid wolf or something. Mm-hmm. Just to, just to like I don't think wolves live that long. No, I don't know either. Actually, let me look it I'm up. I'm gonna guess. I should have looked it up earlier. Maybe 20 years at the longest, but probably less. Okay, so according to Google, they can live up to 17 years, but they usually, the average lifespan is six to eight years. Oh, wow. Big range. So anywhere between six to 17 years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're looking at 1980. Basically 2000 would be the cutoff. Basically. So it's like, what did this guy see in like last May? Like, it was it just like some hairy man who was like suffering from COVID and just had a beard? Or was it like right. actually like, oh, no, that's like a wolf. That's season. true. I mean, what month was it? May? Okay. So that yeah. would have been more believable by the end of the year. Because like most of us could have been mistaken for some kind of animal at that point. But <laughs> May, yeah, at that point, things weren't that terrible. We were still pretty innocent. Hopeful. <laughs> We were hopeful. Well, something to think about. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, next time you guys see something like a wolf, it could be a wolf, but it could also just be a man who like hasn't shaved beard for a while. So you don't know. He was really going hard with the self-isolation. and. <laughs> it's also just the other thing too, like your eyes play tricks on you. So like you think you see something and then it's like, oh no, especially in the dark. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I have a feeling most of these sightings are probably not in the daylight. I think it's also like I think it, they said that there's like glowing yellow eyes or glowing eyes too, which is like that. Yeah, scary, shiny yellow eyes and pointed ears. Mm, classic. I don't know. It was just something that was definitely like interesting. I always find those um, shows on the Travel Channel really, really interesting, and they definitely like give like really good ideas if you're interested mm-hmm. in the folklore or learning about like other states' like mysteries or. And they do consider it, like, a monster, even though it's Mm. never attacked anyone. It's still, like, obviously been very territorial or scared Mm. people, at least. I don't even know any of these shows. (laughs) When you were mentioning this show, I was like, oh, of course. I'm not surprised it exists, but I've never heard of it. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you were like, oh, of course she's watching this, because I really shouldn't, because I'm such a scaredy cat. Like, so many of our friends can vouch for that, where they're like, you really shouldn't be watching these, because they'll you'll freak yourself out, and then I watch it, and then I'm fine, and then, like, it hits nighttime, and I'm freaking myself out. Yeah, I know, I pretty much have stopped asking if you've, like, watched horror movies or anything, because I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna know the answer to this one. Yeah, but, like, I can't watch horror movies, but obviously I can watch, like, these, like, creepy travel channel shows, like, usually no problem. What's that show, like, Most Haunted Places in America? That's a good one. Yeah. Yep. That is a good one. But I think it's also just because of Travel Channel's like animation. Like some of it's spot on and some of it is horrible. So it like depends. Wait, on is that. it the kind of show where they have like reenactments of like the sightings? And- mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> yep. They have like the actors yep. that are reenacting the scene and then it cuts to like the actual people who are like, yeah, like my buddy and I were on this road. And then like it's the classic. thing came out of nowhere. You should find it. I'm sure. I think it's on YouTube. Like, if you like, if anybody out there likes yeah. Travel Channel, you should definitely just look at it just because the animation, some of it, again, is really spot on. Some of Why it is can't like, they have the same person being the cider, but also being the actor? Like, they should just <laughs> yeah, reenact what you saw. I don't know. But if anything, you'll probably get a kick out of it because I feel like you and Dave will just laugh at it. 
Like, this is ridiculous. Like, how is Sandra afraid of this? What are the, like, other kinds of episodes they have? So they have this, like, monsters, obviously the Monsters and Mysteries in America. They have, like, the Alaskan Triangle, where they discuss, like, Bigfoot a lot. I was at my parents' house, and uh, they actually have Travel Channel. I don't. They get it, I think, through Sling or something. And yeah, that was, like, one of the names on the list, like, Alaska Triangle. And I was like, Sandra, another triangle. Yeah, they have that. They have most haunted places in America. And then they just have, like, all of these, like, Bigfoot shows. So Bigfoot's definitely really popular right now. I don't know if it's, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's popular because it's timeless or because of quarantine or what. But, like, if anybody's interested in learning about Bigfoot, definitely check out the Travel Channel. It is interesting, definitely. Like hunting Bigfoot, finding Bigfoot. Oh, that's the same. Okay. Finding Bigfoot. Yep. I think that's that's some. They have something like that. I don't know. I love and hate the Travel Channel all at the same. It's time. almost like what the History Channel has become. Also, I feel like they have like a lot of shows mm-hmm. like that now that they didn't have before. Probably to try to get more people, like mm-hmm. a younger audience, because I know like my dad watches the History Channel. Well, actually, now he's really into the Smithsonian Channel, which is pretty cool. Oh, oh yeah, I've heard of that. It's pretty cool. I like that we had like a, I mean, yours wasn't in New England, but like local to the U.S., I guess. And then mine was outside. So it was like a balance. Good balance so far. I think with all of our stories, we try. I guess we both covered monsters in this one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that should be the title. Monsters aren't always human. Uh-huh. That's a good one. Wait, that's like the first time we actually decide on the episode title <laughs> while we're recording. Usually after we're like, um, random words. The day before we're like, oh no, what are we going to call this episode? Yeah, let's do that one that you just said. All right, I'll write it down. I'll text it to you. Okay, Yay. Sent it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our rambling fun episode of monsters and i would say mayhem but maybe maybe mayhem too if you do want to follow us you can follow us on our instagram at oi with the terror already you can also find us online i believe it's on anchor nod danielle is that correct yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) you can find us on anchor you can also listen to our podcast anywhere podcasts are available to listen to that includes spotify and google playlists If you are interested in submitting either your own stories, which Danielle and I would love to hear, or if you want us to talk about a specific story, whether it's one that you grew up with or it's one that you've always wanted to learn more about, please let us know by emailing us at oywiththeterroralready at gmail.com. Or if you have any ghostly encounters you want to share with us, we'd like to tell ghost stories too. Yes, we do. It makes our job way more fun. (laughs) So that's it for this week. Uh, We hope to see you all next week. And in the meantime, have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.